Hey folks, this week on the podcast, New York-based architectural and landscape photographer Jay Dasko joins us to talk about the painstaking process of developing long-term photo projects and the grit it takes to develop a career in photography. Her work ethic is incredibly aspirational and her experiences serve as a learning opportunity for new and early photographers. Tell me a little bit about yourself, um, uh, who you are, what you do currently, and how you came to be doing what you're doing. Okay. Hello, Stephen. Um, my name is Jade Dasko, and I'm a large format architectural landscape photographer. I'm also a professor of photography at the City University of New York, and also on the faculty of the International Center of Photography. And I've been involved in photography since I was an undergrad. Um, so about 20 years now. And wow. uh, <laughs> yep, stayed the course, you could say. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. Um, it's been 20 years since you've been photographing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Why did you end up going the route of uh, large format? And why did you end up going the route of, um, you know, kind of like landscape photography? Sure. Um you know, often as an artist, one has to think, well, why am I so drawn to this, right? As opposed to that, you know, because I never shoot portraiture. No, I should say never. Rarely shoot portraiture. So why? Why yeah. is that, right? Um, you know, so it's good to look at the full picture that leads one to, um, along their life's path. And, uh, you know, growing up, I grew up in a small town outside of Philadelphia called the first time I'm saying this in a podcast, Perky Yeomanville. <laughs> wow. Funny word. <laughs> yes. And um, it was a weird place to grow up because my mom, my grandma were from the Bronx. And um, so I was basically, you know, going to visit grandma in the Bronx, looking out at the end of the train line, which was amazing, um, covered in graffiti back in the early 80s and uh, and then going to the country. And so it was like this rich array of experiences of, wow. um, you know, the Bronx and then this small town where people wouldn't even go to Philadelphia. They were like terrified too, you know? Um, <laughs> uh, so I was always kind of the oddball. <laughs> um, and as a kid, I was always an artist. I was always making stuff um, up through high school. I was making a zine and distributing it. It was a, a punk zine with record reviews and all kinds of rants Love and it. stuff like that. <laughs> um, and then I came to New York for undergrad at NYU and uh I was in the Gallatin School of Individualized Study, which is a great school because you make your own major, which means I literally tried everything, uh, sculpture, wow. ballet, Russian literature, you name it, I tried it. And uh, yeah. then finally got into photography. Um, but I was just dabbling, you know, uh, one should dabble in undergrad. And uh, while I was working, while I was um, attending college, I was working as a bike messenger in New York City. And uh, got in a pretty bad bike accident and, um, you know, had to stay at my mom's for a bit, uh, couldn't bike too much. And then finally came back to the city and I was really depressed because I'd wanted to get into racing, um, bike racing, that is. And uh, that was not happening. Oh, like motorcycle. No, no, no bicycle racing. <laughs> oh, I was about to say, like, you're a badass. <laughs> I was, but not, yeah, not motorcycles, but. Um, gotcha. So I started doing a series of self-portraits, um, not the typical undergrad self-portraits, but kind of exploring 
the dark emotions I was feeling at the time showing my leg in this huge brace. Um, cause I broke my leg and had surgery and, uh, and, um, ended up uh, receiving an award, a visual arts award at NYU for that work. And I thought, well, people are responding to this. I'm really enjoying it. Let me kind of dive in and see what happens. And uh, right out of college, I took a job at one of the kind of high profile print labs in New York City, um, printing the world's top photography work. Um, so wow. I was just doing contact sheets, but even that has to be, you know, to such a degree, um, right. you know, fashion photographers like Patrick DeMarcellier and, and Peter Lindbergh, and then art and architecture yes. photographers like Robert Polidori and Andrew Moore and um, Joel Sternfeld. So, I mean, they were all bringing their work in there. Uh, so seeing that work and learning the minutia of color work, really, it was an amazing training. You know, um, I, I don't think I could understand color without having had that early job really. Mm. Um, wow. <laughs> Such a rich experience. I, I don't think you could ask for a more, um, you know, full experience as a, you know, a, a photographer who's like slowly discovering her way into her craft. Um, what were some more takeaways that you got from that experience besides like, you know, color work and, um, figuring out how to be very, I'm sure, painstaking with how you handle people's works. Well, that was where I first learned about large format negatives and handling those big negatives. They were really kind of magical, just, you know, because we were working in the dark rooms. I was in the dark room with these beautiful negatives. And around that time, I did take a a large format class at School of Visual Arts with uh, Ken Shung. Thank you, Ken. And I thought, wow, I'm never going to do this because this seems totally insane. Because, <laughs> you know, it's it's like 50 steps per photograph. Um, <laughs> yeah, to say the least. And so I was yeah. fairly turned, even though I loved the negatives and I, you know, I could appreciate them. I didn't feel ready for that. And at that time, this was like the early 2000s. Um, I was living in Carroll Gardens with my boyfriend at the time. And I, I, um, convinced him to cross the BQE into Red Hook, which in the early 2000s was starting to have its renaissance, but it was still in the waterfront blocks, kind of half abandoned and really rough and tumble. And I thought it was just amazing. And so I insisted we move there. So we moved there and I started my first serious body of work, just completely in love with the neighborhood and the architecture there. And that's when I started. And, and, you know, again, thinking about how I grew up like in the country, but also right in the Bronx. Um, You know, I think Red Hook kind of reflected that it was like had all these big open vacant lots that were overgrown, uh, which I thought of as meadows and then these kind of decrepit wood frame houses. So is this really, you know, photographically and historically just such a a great place to work. Um, And I photographed there for the full 13 years that I lived there. And in fact, in just a in about a month or two, there will be a really nice Red Hook photo essay in the New York Times with um, a wow. nice selection of, of that work. Wonderful. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, I was recently introduced to your work um, by a friend of mine. Um, and I think I'd seen your website. Uh, I, I have a habit of, you know, coming across people's websites and bookmarking it. Um, but not revisiting it for some reason. Um, and your website seemed very familiar when I uh, was introduced to it again. And you just have this style um, with your photographs. The colors have a thing to them uh, before I realized you were shooting uh, large format. 
but yeah, the, the colors, there's something that comes through the photographs that's hard to explain. Um, but for me, I just knew this lady's a great photographer. I don't oh, know thanks. what it is. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but you know, there's something that you're capturing in architecture and landscapes that's really warm and invites you in. Um, and I guess a question that I, I think is worth asking is how do you know what subject matter um, is of interest to you? Um, how do you like come to that? Like, you know, I, I, I started taking, I wanted to take photos of people from a documentary perspective because I loved the works that I was seeing from other documentary photographers, but also street photography wasn't really doing much for me. It felt mm -hmm. like a take, take, take and no collaborative ex experience mm -hmm. um, in that process. But also there was a, there was a, a need or a call in for me to get closer and connected with people, um, which was lacking, I think, in my personal life at the time when I was like figuring this out. So I think that was like my inside of, I think documentary photography is the thing for me because it provides connection. It provides a sense of purpose, uh, purpose it provides collaboration. It provides all these things that I truly wanted as an artist and as a person. Mm. How did the the architecture and landscapes um, thing make sense for you? How did you know that this is my thing, not people? Um, hmm. You know, I guess uh, I wouldn't say I'm a non-confrontational person. That's not it. Um, mm -hmm. I guess there's there's just these unique challenges mentally and maybe spiritually to capturing the essence of a place. I mean, in Red Hook, I was really interested in the the innate nature of the neighborhood. And mm. if I could capture that as an artist and, um, you know, I did some video, short video pieces about the neighborhood and, you know, a lot of still photographs. And I guess, you know, at this poetic level, I just felt like there was this soul of the neighborhood that I really mm. connected to and wanted to try to convey through my work. Um, and I guess when I get into something, I'm really tunnel vision. And I used to get jealous when I was younger because I'd have colleagues who would be working on five or six projects. And I'd be like, oh, wow, well, I'm working on the same project for five years, six <laughs> years, seven years, eight years, nine years, 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now it's serving me well, but it was hard over that time because, you know, um, I did the Red Hook work and I did a series called Lost Utopias, which was more of a, I guess, an academic and historical kind of pursuit, uh, looking at World's Fair architecture internationally. and. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, something has to excite me intellectually and visually, and then I get sucked in. So right now it's the Fresh Kills work. I'm like totally sucked in. And, yeah. uh, you know, if there's something new for me to learn on, again, you know, a, an intellectual level, um, curiosity and kind of a spiritual level, if there's more to learn and more for more to benefit, then, you know, I, I will keep doing it and yeah. have a hard time looking elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, 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 but that's not for everybody. I don't know anybody who else who I don't have a lot of colleagues who work that way specifically. Mm. Um, so what's, what's that <laughs> learning process like when you when you key in and hone in on like one subject, like say a red hook? Um, what's the the learning process like? Are you researching? Are you finding out 
um, how to connect with people who have connections to different lands? Like how, how do you, how do you work in that way? Yeah. I mean, Red Hook, you know, is part of being part of the community, certainly because people always saw me around, uh, photographing and, um, you know, it wasn't a portrait project, but I felt like the houses really were kind of portraits of the residents. Uh, for example, this woman, Izzy lived there when I was there for, she had already lived there for 30 years. So she'd really been in Red Hook through its roughest times. And her house was so wild and textured and fascinating and beautiful. So I thought of that, it really did represent her, you know? Um, so, um, yeah, it was certainly part of connecting with the community. And there's also a lot of frustration because photography can never document everything, right? There's no way to document everything. It's not an honest medium in that sense. And so there's frustration too, because even now I go back to Red Hook, I think, oh, geez, I didn't photograph every single building on that block <laughs> and now they're gone. And, um, for the way I work, that just wasn't possible. So there's some frustration there as well, even though I do dive so deeply into these um, bodies of work. <laughs> yeah, it's so fascinating to me. I think, you know, um, it's it takes quite a great skill, I think, to make the super, super mundane very interesting. I mean, I think we talk about street photography capturing the mundane in the world, but like, I think street, uh, you know, landscape photography and architecture photography is like you're literally taking nothing but the scene and making it very interesting. And, you know, I think you're doing that um, and you've been doing that. Um, how did you land on thinking long term as opposed to um, being rewarded quickly for the work you're doing? Um, I mean, Red Hook just happened so organically because I was living there. But then the Lost Utopia series, which was very difficult on multiple levels, just because it involved a lot of travel, a lot of fundraising to travel. You know, I'm not an independently wealthy photographer, so I had to be really... <laughs> I literally, this is, this is very sad. I sold one of my favorite cameras to do a shoot and I, I still regret that, but <laughs> um, so there's a lot of logistical challenges. And for that project, it was really, I'm going to do this until I finish photographing every single world's fair site on the planet, which is about 150 sites. Wow. So what happened was I photographed about 30 sites in 12 years and realized um, yeah, unless I suddenly became um, a hedge fund manager, it would be, a you know, it, it would kind of <laughs> take too much fundraising. And that's not yeah. the fun part. The fun part is making the work, you know. Yeah. And I also kind of felt I, I just reached a kind of reached a wall with that project where, OK, well, this is what I these this is what I'm trying to convey. These ideas are what I'm trying to convey. I've done that with these 30 sites. And I, I lost interest because I felt like I'd done what I need to do with that work. Plus fresh kills came into my arena. And um, like I said, I can only do one project at a time. And, and, you know, all the work that I do comes to me very organically. And I think that's different for everybody. And, um, you know, I've certainly spent many days, I'm sure as you do, and many people do, you know, oh, this is a good idea, kind of writing notes about it. And then you try it and it's, maybe sticks, maybe doesn't. Right. Mm. So I've certainly had a lot of that, but all the major projects I have have really come into my path in an organic way, meaning personal mm. connections or, or, um, you know, through other work I'm doing. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, I think it's, it's organic is good because it, there's real authenticity in there that you're not forcing something to happen because, you know, I need to make a project on this trendy thing. Exactly. No, nope, um, never that right. way. <laughs> Yeah. So you, you worked at this, uh, printing lab and, um, how did that transition into, um, 
real full-time photography practice happen? Um, well, I did that and then thought, you know what, I'm going to go to graduate school for photo. And, you know, it's funny, I was working with a small gallery at the time and the gallery owner said, don't go to graduate school. It's going to ruin your vision. You're already doing this great red hook work. Um, so, you know, I think self-taught or just, you know, just getting experience in any way is great. You know, it's an education no matter what. Um, but I felt like I needed the focus of grad school. So, uh, so kind of phased out working there and bike messengering and went to grad school and uh, work um, at the School of Visual Arts in New York. Um, they had a fantastic faculty and, and I really learned. That's where I started doing large format work because um, one of my professors said, well, all your buildings are falling over. So you have to use a bigger camera. Of course, this was before we had all of the straightening and Lightroom and Photoshop was so easy, you know. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so that's when I picked up the, the large format habit. So I've been shooting mo almost all large format for about 12 years now. Um, yeah. So you, you jumped into, into large format photography. There's a question that I had that was really important that I've lost. Uh -oh. <laughs> Hopefully it comes um, back. <laughs> oh, well, it just came back actually. Okay. Oh, um, grad school. Mm -hmm. How did grad school, how did going to grad school against the advice of <laughs> one of your uh, colleagues or professors, how did going to grad school um, kind of give you a sense of focus um, as compared to like, you know, you just studying on your own and putting together your own curriculum? Sure. And I would say to anybody who's considering a graduate degree in Masters of Fine Arts, please keep in mind, right, this is not a law degree. It's not a medical degree. It's an expensive degree to be an artist. So <laughs> So that, first of all, made me very focused because, you know, I was like, OK, I'm going to commit to this huge you know, price tag to focus mm. on my art. So I have to make this count, you know, mm. um, I mean, just on a purely financial level, this better count. And also I just, you know, um, because I hadn't really focused on photography in undergrad and I'd been kind of, again, you know, dabbling, playing around. Yeah. I really wanted to be with a group of colleagues where we're really all sinking our teeth into it, reading the theory, having those conversations. And, um, and it really did make me the, you know, I totally credit my experience at SVA with, with aligning my, my abilities mentally and technically in a really focused way. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's working with the, with colleagues and shooting on a regular basis every week. You know, I would also say, you know, you're not going to get much out of grad school unless you already have a really strong work ethic. I already had a strong work ethic. And then I use that to push and focus further. If you already have a hard time making work, I mean, don't do it, you know, take classes yeah. here and there to kind of get yourself on a track, but, uh, yeah. grad school, you have to be in a certain place to, to get the most out of it. You know, I would say, um, yeah, it was a great experience. And, uh, certainly it's also about meeting lots of people who are in the business and introduce yeah. you to other people. So for all those reasons, it was, you know, really, I would say a, a great, a great reason to go, you know, and I yeah. certainly give it credit for, for where I am now. <clears throat> That's great. Uh, that's I think that's something I need to hear. That's something a lot more people need to hear <laughs> um, that it's not just, you know, going to grad school for the sake of going to grad school. You know, if you go to grad school to become a lawyer and you pass your tests, you are guaranteed, you know, a well-paying job. Um, but you have to, like, fashion a career out of this process. Um, that's interesting. Um, I want to get into some frequently asked questions from, you know, you're a teacher at um, 
College of Staten Island and where else? At an International Center of Photography. Right, at ICP. Um, some frequently asked questions from, you know, colleagues or students or, you know, um, you know, early on in your development as a, as a photographer, um, what are some things that came up or have come up that you think are questions worth really answering? I try to be as very practical as possible. It's hard sometimes, but, um, you know, one thing that you think is like a huge thing that is worth addressing. I mean, you know, it's such a different time now. And I was just talking to my CUNY students about this. You know, the the whole social media thing, it's both a pro and a con, right? Because now there's billions of photographers and there's still gatekeepers, right? There's still the editors that will hire you. There are still the curators that will put you in a show. Um, so even though there's a flood of photographers, there's still a limited number of people who can help you make money or get exposure. Um, so one thing I've told my students is you have to treat Instagram or whatever social media you're using like a real job. You know, you have to be real dedicated, be real smart, be real clever about how you use it. Um, don't show bad work, obviously. Um, make people interested, make people want to know more about your real work, you know, have teasers and feeders and things like that. Be smart about, you know, the hashtagging and all of that uh, to get the right people you know, looking at your photography. So certainly social media has to be like a job. It can't just be something you do here and there. Um, so that's mm. part A. Part B is, um, of course, it's been a really weird couple of years with COVID, but networking is the key, you know, making work that you're sincere about and then talking about it constantly in a way that's not annoying, but interesting, right? And yeah. uh, networking, you know, things are starting to open up again. If you're in a city, you know, I'm, I've been in New York for years. So going to the openings, going to events, going to events at Aperture or um, Penumbra or any of these really great foundations, you know, this is where you're going to meet the people who are, are the main players in the photo world. Um, so talking to them, getting their advice, sharing what you're up to, this is all really, really important. So really showing your face, um, and doing the social media and making good work. Like those are the three parts that, that are important, certainly. Yeah. Um, where does um, showing your portfolio and uh, a lot of these um, portfolio reviews come into play? Was that a thing for you or did you kind of like by bypass that? Uh, yes. Uh, I mean, very early on, I did one of the New York Fine Arts, uh, I think it was called Doctor's Hours portfolio wow. review um, where you met with curators from different galleries and museums. It was fantastic. You know, so I certainly would recommend those. And of course there's um, photo Lucida and photo Nola and uh, what's the other, the big one in Texas uh, photo fest. Um, and those are great, you know, especially once we're all hopefully out of all of this strange time that we're in, yeah. Um, you know, in terms of getting a wide variety of people seeing your work, even though it's just for a few minutes, you know, you can make an impression in those few minutes because an editor from, uh, from London may have a totally different take on your work than the editor from New York, you know? Um, so I think getting that kind of exposure is totally invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've had um, friends in the previous years that have, you know, uh, attended a lot of these reviews multiple times. And, you know, 
uh, a lesson that I've learned from that process is, you know, one time rejection is not the end of it that, you know, you can get rejected a bunch of times and then you land on an editor that happens to love everything you do and, you know, you get picked up. Um, so that's, that's really good, good advice. Um, what is it like to be Jade today? <laughs> What's it like in your typical work day? If you had to like, you know, lay out your busy, one of your busiest work days. Oh my goodness. What does that look like? Yeah, sure. I mean, just today alone, um, uh, there's going to be an upcoming portfolio spread of the Fresh Kills work. And uh, so me and the editors have been really trying to come up with a name for the article. So, right, that's that's really fun stuff, you know, writing down lists of, you know, ideas and things that can be the name for the article. And we have an amazing yeah. writer, so I can't, I can't disclose it right now. But um, so that was part of today. I had to teach my CUNY class today. So preparing the class and teaching my CUNY students online because we're online for another month or so. And actually right now I'm fig- finishing up some photos for a photo commission I did for an architectural website called Urban Omnibus. Um, so I did this really great big commission for them on Greenpoint environmental stewardship. Uh, so you caught me right in the middle of working on those photos because uh, the editor just sent me the first celebs. So that's a typical day lately. <laughs> okay. That's wonderful. Um, how did you stumble into into Fresh Kills? Um, I don't imagine you live on Staten Island. <laughs> no, and in fact, it's so funny because I keep saying this to people. You know, I lived in Brooklyn for years, never was in Staten Island. I mean, I only have been driving for three years, so I don't know how I would have gotten there anyway, <laughs> you know, other than the ferry. But um, yeah, now it's my home away from home. Uh, <laughs> yeah. How did that, that work happen? Um, I, I'm only familiar with uh, Fresh Kills because um, I got connected with a photographer, a local Staten Island-based photographer, um, Michael McQueenie, who has been documenting Fresh Kills as well. Um, so it's a very interesting concept. Uh, but yeah, how did you stumble into this project and how did it when did it start and tell me where it is now? Sure. Um, so in May 2018, I was teaching a class at, at the School of Visual Arts, actually, on uh, kind of unusual green spaces around New York City, mm-hmm. uh, roof gardens and community gardens. And um, and I knew about Fresh Kills, but, you know, yes, I'm not in Staten Island much. So I really didn't know the status of it. And I knew it was the world's largest garbage dump in New York city, you know, it's, it's notorious history of course precedes it. And, uh, but I didn't really know what it looked like or the lay of the land or anything like that. Um, so that spring day, a parks department, uh, employee picked us up at the ferry in a van, drove us out to the site and set us free to photograph, uh, you know, and it was just so, incredible it's just these rolling meadows punctuated with methane pipes Mm. and uh it it really is an otherworldly place in the middle of staten island so i immediately was like just just gobsmacked (laughs) i thought whoa what is this this is amazing and um immediately i asked is there a main photographer you know like a key photographer who's taken on creating a serious archive of this work and she said, no, why don't you submit a, submit a proposal? And at that time, this really incredible woman named 
Marielle Valeri was uh, running the arts programming out at Fresh Kills, and they had a program of artist partners. So there's like a performance artist and a choreographer and uh, the great land artist and, and actually the sanitation artist in residence, Mealy Kellis, has worked with them as well. Uh, so I submitted a proposal saying, you know, I essentially want to commit to you know, creating an archive of this transformation over the next 10 years. And so the proposal went through parks and New York City sanitation for several months because they all have to sign off on it. Uh, technically, it's all controlled by sanitation at this point. Um, so after a few months, by that fall, uh, September 2018, they'd approved my proposal and said, yep, you can come photograph. Uh, you have to have a parks department escort when you're working because of, you know, uh, insurance reasons, this and that. And uh but, you know, let us know when you want to come work. And, and so since then, uh, that was September, and I've probably done about 50-plus shoots out there at this point. I return wow. there frequently. I'm now the photographer in residence of the site, which I'm really honored to, to hold that title. And yeah. uh, just closed the first exhibition of the work at Tracy Morgan Gallery in Asheville. Um, and in August 2020 was the first kind of reveal of the work in a really beautiful spread in the New York Times. So it's... Mm. Uh, you know, it's just an amazing place. And uh, just the work that's gone into it, The it, it's a very optimistic place. Uh, that's what I, I really love. And, um, you know, it's and it's just endlessly drawn me in. And, and it's yeah. very cool because the other folks who work, who are employees of, of Fresh Kills Park, they're, we're all just extremely dedicated. It's, it's just mm. a real labor of love, I think, for for all of us. It's such a it's a, such a beautiful body of work. Um, you know, uh, it was the first thing that I saw clearly on your website after revisiting uh, your site. Um, yeah, there's a, a something you capture about the place that's very, um, like I said, very warm and uh, inviting, and um, yeah, it doesn't necessarily look like a dump <laughs> not at all <laughs> so no it's good to, to capture I, I i recall you know um staten island looking forward to rebranding as like a downtown kind of place <laughs> and you know the construction of the new york wheel um and i was very much looking forward to being the person to like document that process um you know the build-in process i remember seeing photographs of the verrazano bridge being built and a lot of like historical um architectural landmarks and i was like i want to be the person to photograph the new york wheel and then it didn't happen Uh, there will be something else (laughs) i know i hope I started photographing it and I caught news of it shutting down and I was like, wonderful. (laughs) I know, now there's just the mall there. (laughs) Yeah, and now it's just, you know, very desolate mall. Um, But yeah, I'm really excited about getting to know more about your work. Um, I'm hoping to, I I, I get to see your your work in person, you know, one of these days. I think that'd be great. Um, Your connection with ICP hopefully will, you know, yield that um, exhibition one of these days. Um, do you have any, um, you know, as a, as a professor, do you have any advice that you would give for emerging photographers, you know, people who are slowly discovering their way through, um, something they believe to be their passion? What are some things that you can offer that would be really helpful on that path? Sure. I mean, you know, a, you know, be practical, uh, you know, find a job that either complements 
you know, I mean, everybody has to pay the bills, right? Find a job that either doesn't suck all of your energy so that you can still devote yourself to your photography or is related to photography in some way, you know, whether it's working in a gallery or a museum or um, working in a, in a photo studio is the best way to learn really. You know, if you, if you, if there's a photographer you admire, shoot them an email, say, Hey, do you need anybody around, you know, and um, often they do. So, you know, that's a really great way to learn certainly. And once you figure out what you're into, you can't take a lot of breaks. You have to be really committed, um, you know, kind of a thousand percent. I mean, if you talk to any of my friends or family, all I talk about is my Fresh Kills work. That is all I talk about. I had a birth, some birthday get togethers last weekend. Guess what we talked about? My poor friends. They're (laughs) like, really, really? (laughs) Can we take a break? No, I don't take breaks. I'm really, you know, you have to be very, very committed to reach. I really love that. Yeah. To reach any levels of success, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. that's great. No, I I think, um, obsession is great. Um, a reasonable obsession is great. Uh, (laughs) sure. And clearly I took a break. So, (laughs) um, which it it really does make sense. You know, when you take a break, you feel like, well, I can get to it, you know, soon and soon and soon. Yes. You you do need that maniacal focus on, you know, what you really want to to devote your, your life to. Um, I'm hoping I get to get back into that. Um, but these days I think I'm slowly pivoting away from pivoting away from photography um, into something I'm more interested in, which is design. Okay. We'll see how that They work out. together. So, hey, all good. They do. Thanks. They do. There's <laughs> a way to marry these worlds. And I'm trying to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I think for a long time, I was very tethered to one thing, but it's good when you get to expand, you know, your view of the things you're interested in and get to explore newer, you know, um, ideas and concepts. Um, the world is full of possibilities. So yes, <laughs> yeah, indeed. I'd love to talk to you. Um, maybe when, when something huge happens, you know, I, I'm not sure you don't know when the article is, uh, coming out yet. Oh, well, yeah, that's been, we've been working on it for a while, so okay. <laughs> it's probably gonna be in the new year. Um, oh, I should okay. also add a really lovely documentary has come out about my work. Um, Wonderful. so it's been screening in film festivals and we will be, um, showing it at the school of visual arts in February. Um, it actually Great. premiered at ICP in October. Um, so that, yeah, so that's something to look out for because we're always doing screenings and Q and A's lately. Yeah. So what is it called? Oh, it's called uh, Jade Dosco, Photographer of Lost Utopias. Beautiful. I'm going to check that out. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd love to have a conversation with you in the very near future, um, maybe about something very pointed. Um, uh, I think there's a lot clearly to un- undig <laughs> and unearth about your work and your process and your experience. And um, we can't get to all of that in 30 something minutes. Indeed. So. <laughs> Um, how can people find your work and keep up with you um, regularly? Sure. Um, so my website is jadedoscophotography.com. So that's an easy way. Or Instagram. Um, I think it's j-dosco, D-O-S-K-O-W. So that's probably the easiest way because I always announce everything on there. So Sweet. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jade. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Great speaking with you, Stephen. All right, folks. That's it for this episode. If you like this topic and want more like it leave us your feedback on our review page or send all of your questions to the email linked in the show notes catch you next time